Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today. I am so excited to introduce you to Lindsay Stewart. She's the CEO and founder of a company called Stringer. Lindsay, it is awesome having you on the podcast Thanks for having me. <laughs> so simple after we just had this incredible conversation. Um, yes, I'm so glad you're here, Lindsay. And what a cool company um, in the video space. And you guys are going to love this. I mean, I just, I'm excited about it. I, I, can't, I, I just think there's so much potential here. And it's just a space that's booming um, across industries. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But Lindsay, first of all, I want to dive into your background. Um, man, you've had an incredible career, um, producers, roles at Fox, at Bloomberg, at CBS, in Las Vegas, at a local channel in Los Angeles. Oh my gosh. So you were in TV. I mean, and and you really had an amazing career here and it's been growing. And then you decided to start this company. So help us unpack your background and how you decided to start Stringer. Yeah, I think if you want to think of me in a very simple sense, I was I was a, a news gal. I, I was a producer uh, for over a decade, and you know, had some wonderful stints at some major networks. Um, and then as I, I was kind of sitting in that desk, uh, and I landed up also going to business school, which is kind of an interesting, that. an interesting juxtaposition, right? Because you have you know very creative, uh, hard driving people um, in the news world whose primary focus is. Getting gathering facts and writing and producing television. And then on the other side, uh, you know, in business school, you know, it's kind of more numbers driven uh, and and, and kind of has, I guess, a more business framework, uh, golly gee, in business school. Totally. Um, At uh, at Wharton, by the way, no no small joke, right? I mean, wow, amazing. Yeah. You know, go go big or go home. (laughs) Um, But, (laughs) and so it was, you know, the nexus of those two experiences that gave me the opportunity to really start a company. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of great companies always start with a basic need that you see in an industry. And what I was seeing at the time, which, you know, is was about seven years ago, was this need for more video, even in a place like ABC News, where I was working at the time. And, you know, I said to myself, gosh, I really want more video. I want a technological interface where I can get more video and where I can pay for that video without having the poor videographer come chasing me down because you know I really wasn't accounts payable. I was very much a producer. And so I was uh, sitting in a business school class and gave a, uh, this sounds almost trite, a uh, <laughs> one minute elevator pitch that was an assignment in an entrepreneurship class and I had a number of really, really smart people I always like to say, and it's truly, well, it's true, uh, smarter people than myself who said they wanted to work on that. And one wow. of those people uh, was Brian McNeil, who is now the co-founder of Stringer, but came from a distinctly different background than I uh, came from. He was working at Ernst & Young at the time, so a management uh, consultant. Got it. Yep. Before that, he had worked at Microsoft as a product manager. So really understood finance and how to assemble a product. So that's really where Stringer was born. I, I thought the world needed more video, and we and and he was uh, there to help me think out how to build it. How to build it. I love it. Now, who were you targeting with the world, quote unquote, world needs more video you know, statement? Where is it videographers? Is it content sources? Is it companies? You know, what does that look like? 
Yeah. So at, at the time, in the very beginning, it really came from my basic need, which was major me- media companies right. needed more video. Um, but anybody who knows anything about putting together a business that's going to scale and grow, it can't just be one industry that needs this. And so what has truly happened over the course of the years is you're starting to see video become really an expectation in any totally. form of communication. Absolutely. It's not, it's just, it's not just news. It's not just movies. It's, you know, if you're selling a product as an Amazon merchant. Uh, and so that's where we sit today, where we've built a network, a marketplace really of videographers who are on one side of our platform and then customers of video, people who are looking to disseminate some sort of message about something through this crazy visual medium, which is video. Okay. Love it. So when you got started did you start with content or the website or like what did what were the first key pieces just going from okay hey i think we we've got an idea here to actually building something yeah i mean if you really wanted to be have the pants board off you um the one thing that we modeled first was whether or not we could store video forever in perpetuity without going bankrupt um and so it's very possible now i will say (laughs) Oh, but it, but what we found scale. is um, because of you know some amazing services, cloud services out right, there that we could course. largely keep and store as much video as we wanted. But I'll get past the boring piece of it. In <laughs> in in the beginning, uh, in the very beginning, what we really wanted to figure out is if we could get this marketplace of videographers to basically interact with customers. Right. Um, in, in, and so that's what we that's what we had to figure out is whether we could build two sides of a marketplace, which is pretty tricky because you're you're getting people to participate and then you're getting people to buy but there's no there there in the very beginning so you're kind of matchmaking in a way and hacking your way through those first interactions to see if you can get that done right um that's the part that go ahead we, please we, go we've, yeah. fortunately we've su- very much succeeded in that and we're able to build that dynamic where um videographers come to us to find assignments and um you know customers come to us for to get all sorts of video okay yeah so that was where i was going next so the way that the, your platform works, do, so when videographers are coming to, they're coming to you to find a role, right? Or a job that they can go out and do the video shoots for you, I'll call it. I'm not the expert, so you have to correct me here on the verbiage and the language. And then at the same time, you have customers that want to purchase or access that type of video. Is that how that works? Yeah, so exactly. I mean, so what what you have what we have is an app that basically disseminates what we call stringer crowd requests. And Got these are it. requests that any videographer who signs up for, for our app can see. And they can choose to accept an assignment, go shoot the video, and then upload it to our platform using oh, our app. Got it. And then okay. that video flows to our interface where then in turn our customers can see the video that they have provided and decide whether or not they like it and in turn purchase it. Now that's at this kind of more broader level of crowd where um, you can put in any sort of request that's in the public sphere um, and then have that message basically go out to all the nearby what we call stringers or videographers. Now we do have tiers of assignments. So we have, um, you know, some assignments that uh, are much uh, higher, you know, are harder to complete. Uh, Those are called stringer pros assignments. And then we have a middle tier called stringer select, um, which is, you know, kind of sits in the middle where they're looking for, you know, perhaps a talented videographer, but somebody who is shooting it with their smartphones. They don't require any high-end gear or specified or specific um, experience. So what comes first then? The project or the, you know, like, where did, like, did you have content already to get started with? 
or did you have to build that content? You know what I mean? Like yeah, in yeah, a marketplace, the, I mean, the, it's like, do I have product first? Like inventory, like in a normal product world, you'd have inventory, right? That I, then I could sell, or do I wait for orders to put, to build the inventory? <laughs> the first thing we did was build, well, first the interface, but then right. um, a, a, um, a videographer base, because you need people to go and complete assignments, right? Totally. Um, and the way we did it in the early days, and, and we've, we've been mentored by a number of very smart people who have built two-sided marketplaces is we created fake demand. And so we went in and we asked for things and there wasn't a customer on the other side. And this was good because we need to figure out if our technology worked, um, you know, and uh, what kind of quality video that we were, we were truly bringing in with the videographer base that we were recruiting. Um, You know, fast forward to today, we're able to serve all sorts of quality needs and all sorts of timing needs with real customers, real videographers. So we don't have to, you know, fake one side of the marketplace and because we now have customers. And I would say that there's nothing like having demand on your platform because people will come to a place where they think they can make money doing what totally. they love. Um, and yeah. that's something we learned from other marketplaces that marketed other kinds of services, whether it be writing or some other types of creative services. People will go um, you know, to the places where they think they can make money um, you know, uh, doing what they're already good at. Got it. Uh, but now we have about a million uh, videos in our archive and we Crazy. have a full scale production team right. uh, that also creates content every single day. So whether you're one of our news customers or you are one of our merchant style customers, you can come into our platform and know that there's a video there that might be of value to you already. So now, now we have a, a huge archive of our own and then we have a full scale production team that can help help with every step um, that that any particular customer wants. Which is but awesome. I'd also say is we also have a, a pretty substantial tech technological stack, a SaaS platform, where not only are you able to source video, but you're able to create video, whether it's transcription or editing or publishing or going live. Um, we have a, a full technological solution that our customers can come in and leverage to create video on their own. So they're not even necessarily uh, leveraging our Stringer videographer network every single time they come into our platform. Yeah, very, very cool. And in terms of how it works, if you're on the customer side, it's request the footage for more than 75,000 videographers. You can search the archive over the many thousands of videos there. You can preview video before you download, etc. So, uh, did was there a time when you were like, okay, you were just getting things started, you were faking the demand, I'll call it, just to get content rolling, but was there a point in time where you were like, okay, I think we got something here, this model could work? Yeah, I mean, I think every everything is incremental when you're building. You you, you have a startup, right? And so um, for us, you know, just watching a successful first transaction um, right. showed us, you know, <laughs> totally. that that a real customer and a real videographer were interacting using our platform, and then it becomes a matter of scale. And you know, it's, the devil's in that detail. And we once you scale one thing, you're trying to scale another, and then once you've kind of built the first and initial dynamics, you're trying to figure out, well, how do we make sure that our platform is a place that our customers want to return to, right? Um, And so then you start adding features and then your feature set becomes a full SaaS platform. So I don't know if like you had asked me on day one whether or not we were going to build a uh, full-scale SaaS solution that handles every right. every step of the video lifecycle, whether I would have said yes, I probably would have said no. Um, but you, know, you push the ball forward every single day and you have great partnerships and great employees and you start you know, building even something even grander day, 
day by day. Sure. Love it. Now, is your industry a word of mouth industry or how have you built your brand? Like, what does that look like? Um, to date, we've spent very little money on marketing. Um, but uh, that being said, that w- is about to change. Um, and so, um, you know, I would say that the market we started with, which was news, is very much kind of a prove your worth uh, vertical. And so at first, people were very excited about what we were building. We got a lot of encouragement. Um, but then when we start to sell into it, they wanted to see that you were going to survive past these kind of nascent startup days and become a real thing. Because, of course, there's a cost to integration for any of these large media companies. So we really did have to prove our value over a number of, you know, I, I don't want to call it painful, but hard years where we're regaining name recognition and proving, you know, blocking and tackling with certain media companies, showing that we were really worth our worth our salt. Uh, you know, fortunately, we were able to pick up some um, good brands and good media brands in the early days that took a leap of faith, I think, with us. I don't think I even realized the leap of faith they were taking. <laughs> they were taking. Uh, that Got they it. were taking because I yeah. thought, you know, they were, you know, sitting in big companies and I had created something very cool. What's wrong with you? This isn't, this is obvious you should use this, you know, and, and now, and now we're lucky in that we have hardly we've lost very few customers wow. uh, even in in days of consolidation where that's not even necessarily kind of the fault of the product um, and we have been able to grow with our customers as our our, our, our product set has grown um, and as their name recognition recognition has grown as well so uh, pre- pretty feel pretty fortunate there actually that's pretty awesome um so as you're growing this brand and you've been going for a couple years now has it been have your old relationships been key to growth um or have you brought on individual um team members that have helped with kind of building the platform and growth what does that look like in terms of just some of the keys to getting beyond those early days yeah, I mean, I'd say my early relationships were really key in early days. Um, and then my ability, I think, to grow relationships um, purely from being a journalist. Right. I, you know, I would say that's people a strength, don't, People right? don't think think of, uh, you know, journalists as salespeople. But I think at the end of the day, you're kind of selling your credibility. Um, and that's why people, especially high-profile people, would want to do an interview with you or one of the driving factors. Totally. Um, but, you know, I've, I have gotten access to... A number of executives that I didn't sincerely know at the beginning of this um, that have been extraordinarily helpful um, and connected to us with their teams. And in turn, those teams have been extraordinary in giving us feedback that have helped our product along. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I think my early contacts uh, were helpful. Um, but now as we merge into other mar- markets that aren't just pure play media companies, um, you know, it, it takes other members of our team uh, to forge certain relationships and then just kind of the generalist skill of of being reliable, being innovative and being available that is helpful in, in growing the business. Sure. So your co-founder is Brian McNeil. Um, what I always love to ask co-founders if they're both on together um, is like, what what were your strengths versus the your peer or your, your co-founder strengths? Did you and Brian have natural things that you each focused on or that you brought to the table or were you more similar in nature? Or what does that look like in terms of how do you guys operate? 
uh, our skill sets are not similar in nature at all. Um, <laughs> in, in fact, I except you for you know, went to Wharton. The, Both of you went to Wharton. Uh, yeah, though, yeah, right? except for that. Uh, but you know, I would say you know his 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 point of beauty is he is an incredible uh, product um, product guy, um, product lead, and so he can see into the future of where products are headed, um, especially the products that he feels passionate about. You know, and video and media and Stringer. Um, you know, being his cause celebra <laughs> over the last seven <laughs> nice. years. And, you know, he consistently comes to me and says, listen, we should have transcription. Listen, we should have live. Listen, we should have this. We should have that. And it's not based on kind of this, like, I don't know, uh, idle passion for it. It's a, a really an ability to put a very pr pragmatic roadmap and think out and flow in terms of how something is created and how that would uh, benefit the end user, in this case, the customer. Uh, that is not something I ever thought about before starting this company. Now, I think I've gotten better at it just by, you know, pure virtue that I sit next to him and have these conversations right. <laughs> and been doing it for so long. Um, but that is, I, you know, he's just incredibly magical at that. Um, and then the other piece of it is, um, you know, he did come from EY and M&A transactions. So he can handle a spreadsheet better than, than the best <laughs> of them. He can spend and, the numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah I saw and, that. and so, you know, we, we can look at sensitivities, we can look at margins, we can look at anything. Any question I have can be spun up on a spreadsheet and presented um, and analyzed. Uh, and that is something I learned to work with in business school. That was a huge boon to me. But he's, you know, he he's magical at those things. You know, a number of those Wharton, Wharton, wow. Wharton folks are, are very good at. It. He's also <laughs> he's also pretty magical. We landed up getting married, so um, <laughs> that's we very spent, magical. <laughs> we, we spent we spent that much time together. So now it's like a twenty four seven operation where I think we talk about Stringer like all the time. Ninety percent of our waking hours <laughs> sure. to the point where our five year old daughter now um, can shoot video pretty darn well too so that's hilarious that's <laughs> yeah. hilarious yeah and i mean i don't think i've ever used the word cause celebra in a sentence and i was like oh my god what does that mean for those that don't know controversial issue that attracts a great deal of public attention but that was i love that Lindsay. you introduced that that's the first time in 300 episodes we've used that we can, um, we can use fun words all day oh, long i love if it you like. it's so cool um <laughs> hey i always love to ask our guests like what it would be two or three of the biggest lessons learned you'd share with our audience um given the time that you, you know launched the business growing the business what would you share with our audience um, I think the one is, uh, if you have a good idea, uh, don't doubt yourself. Sit at the table, work on it every single day, um, and and push the ball forward. It, it sounds like such a simple piece of advice, um, but I have found that with anyone who uh, really does work on something every single day, they will see the the the, the fruit of their labor, um, and not and a lot of, and self doubt can kind of spin you to stay and do something that you don't really want to do and not really pursue pursue your dream. Sure. Uh, the Love other that. piece um, of it is entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. Uh, you know, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to be a super successful person um, and, you know, or do what you want. I, I've often found there are some corollaries to entrepreneurs and major organizations who just love innovation. And the way to love innovation, if you work at a big company, is try things. When a Lindsay Stewart from Stringer calls you and says, try my product, try it. And if you like it, give feedback. Or if you don't like it, 
give feedback. But it is a way to be a part of a very virtuous um, loop of of innovation. Um, And, you know, and you can drive innovation within your own company by purely engaging with innovative people and being that innovative voice uh, within your own organization. Because let's face it, entrepreneurship comes with a whole host of of risks. Um, The other kind of more generic piece of advice that I would give is, um, you know, if you are going to start your own company, find people who really compliment you, uh, find people that you respect and that might even frighten you a little bit with their expertise. Um, Because if you're recruiting a bunch of people who know what you know, you aren't scaling and you aren't, you aren't expanding and you aren't learning. And you certainly aren't going to be that multifaceted gem you need to be um, when you get out into that real, real world of selling or even fundraising. I love it. That's some awesome advice. Um, Lindsay Stewart, share with our audience where we can find you, connect with you, find video, come and be a, a one of your videographers and whatnot. If you want to be one of our videographers, it's really easy. You can download our app um, and it's Stringer, S-T-R-I-N-G-R, no vowel, no E at the end. Uh, And then if you are one of our customers um, or want to be one of our customers, you can come to our website, www.stringer.com, fill out a sales inquiry form and one of our team will get back to you in a hot second. I'm sure. This is awesome. So, Lindsay, thanks for coming on the podcast. I can't wait to have you back on down the road as you keep growing here and um, really appreciate the advice you shared today. I appreciate your time. It's a lot of fun. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.